his face his face was just in my head in my dreams and i just like woke up thinking Fuck, did i just have a nightmare about tom hooper because i researched cats too hard oh my god that's very scary oh my god wow. you had a nightmare about tom hooper because you were researching cats this is how cats can literally take over your life welcome to as a film student I'm your sinky little cat host, Mon, and we're here with a special guest. Cat scat host number two, uh, stinky, <laughs> stinky sequel. <laughs> the stinky host. sequel. The stinky sequel host. Um, I'm Ashok, guys. Um, you might remember me from the Ratatouille podcast if you listened in. Uh, yeah, yeah, the episode with rats. With, rats. We, we did rats. Now, now we're we do doing it. cats. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, and I'm Nick, if anyone cared. <laughs> I don't really think anybody cares. That's How a bit rude. I say one. this on my birthday. Yeah. Oh my god, is it, on, is it your birthday today? It actually is. It? is. <laughs> 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 Wait, is it actually your birthday today? Wait, is it actually and your birthday it's today? It's parents' anniversary as well. Oh my god, that's so cute. That is so cute. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Thanks. Nick. Okay, we... And a happy anniversary. Yeah. Anyways, this is the second part to kind of our Cats trilogy because it's just you can't do one episode about cats. Like, it's just inherently impossible. Oh no, you guys barely touched on cats we, last episode. We didn't even touch on cats because we wanted to spend an entire episode just touching on Cats mm. 2019. So we're like, you know, let's talk about the context of cats because... There's just so much to cats in of itself. And like, how are we going to dissect this masterful piece of shit? And you need the context. You need mm. that. Why is this a thing? Yeah, mm. because cats doesn't give any context to anything. So you need to kind of insert as much as you can. It just throws you in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually does. We basically just kind of talked about Tom Hooper. We talked about the Cats musical, the 1988 version, which actually, Ash, you've recently seen. I literally saw that last night. So um, that was a really interesting experience for me Mm because the first time I was exposed to any Cats media was Cats 2019 at Nick's house. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was not a good experience. That, that was not a good experience. I remember <laughs> it was I was a great experience. I remember what we, are you I, talking about? I was I was sitting I was sitting I was sitting next to you and we I was quite drunk. I was quite pissed. Mm. And I just kept I just couldn't stand it. I just didn't know what was going on. And you I looked I kept looking at your face, Ash, and you were just like no. No. No 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 no. no. <laughs> and it was just really horrifying and I remember mm. I was just off my fucking head. I was doing like some weird dancing in between the numbers. And you were just like, please stop it. Please stop it. We're in public, Mon. We're in public. <laughs> Mon, Mon was twerking in between the numbers. <laughs> I do not remember that. I was I wasn't twerking. I was doing a, I was doing a dance called the butt dance. <laughs> where you just move your butt, but it's not twerking. It's completely different. I made it up. It's it's my own creation. It's an attempt at a twerk, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, but but anyways, yeah. So I was I was th- I was at Nick's house watching Cats for the first time. He said, I, I remember probably one of the first conversations I ever had with Nick was mm-hmm. about Cats, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "How have you not watched this? You need to like come to my house and watch this." And so I think you guys made a bet, didn't you? We didn't make a bet. We made a deal. A deal. A deal. A deal. That okay. he would watch Cats twenty nineteen, and I would watch The Queen's Corgi, and. <laughs> I haven't recovered from my end. Neither have I. Neither have I. (laughs) We both just damaged each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was mutually mutually assured destruction. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really funny how, like, you guys have two really shit house movies. One's about a dog, one's about a cat. Mm. And maybe one day we'll do a Queen's Call here. No, no, I'm never uh, watching seriously. that Seriously, <laughs> yes. If it. you guys do it, I will have to invite Asha in again. Because, oh, like, yeah. it's like, you know how Cats 2019 is your personality trait, Nick? The hey. Queen's Corgi is Ashok's personality trait. I wouldn't say it's my personality it's trait. It's a personality I've, trait. I've watched it, I think, four, four or five. No, you've yeah, watched four. it five times. Okay, okay. You, 
He watched it, the Queen's Corgi, three times. Within the span of as many days. Yeah. Like three consecutive days of the Queen's Corgi. How is that even a thing? See, it was a really dark time. It was a really dark time. <laughs> it was a very dark time. You know, coming out of that time, everyone says, Ashok, you're, you're glowing. You look so amazing. <laughs> like, what happened? And... What do you say? I, I don't say... I don't tell them my secret, but mm. I kind of... I think I let go of all of my demons by watching such a dark, disgusting film. Which is... So the, many times. The Queen's Corgi 2019. And I think this is what Cats is to Nick. It's so weird how, like, 2019 is both the year where... It's it's the year where one of the best films in the entire history of filmmaking has been created and the worst. Mm. Cats and Parasite. No, Cats and the Queen's Corgi. The best yeah, I mean, and the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the best and the worst. The best is Parasite, the worst is Cats. Mm. Mm. I'd, I'd agree, yeah. Mm. In 2019, Ray Winstone was only in two movies... And those two movies were Cats and the Queen's Court. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. And man. he and he played <laughs> He was the worst character yes. of both of them. Wait, who did Ray Winstone play in Cats? Grout Tiger. Oh no. <laughs> the cat that's on a barge. I know. And he played this um this like South London bulldog oh, no. in Queen's Corgi. <laughs> Oh my god, that is not great. Yeah, he was like... I I remember I only watched The Queen's Corgi because you put it on (laughs) in my Christmas party. All the kids were there and you decided, hey, I'm meeting meeting their family and I'm going to put in The Queen's Corgi 2019. Mm. That's just not a good, not a good look. I think it's a good look. All the kids love it. For the kids it might be. (laughs) If you have, if you're an actual person, it's not a good look. No, no, definitely not. Fair enough. So Cats 2019. Did you know that it is estimated to have cost the studio that produced it, Universal, $114 million? What? That doesn't surprise me. It had a budget, me. an Are initial budget of $100 million, and it grossed $75 million. That's not even taking into consideration, you know, the reconfiguration of the VFX and the marketing at all. So we don't really know how much cats cost Universal, but it cost a lot. It must, mm. and they they actually put it out during like well in America it would have been like the summertime. I know it was during the summertime. Yeah, no, during yeah. the winter. Then. During oh, the winter yeah. of time. During yeah, the Christmas uh, period. During the Christmas period, which is like probably the biggest like mm. you know box office kind of thing. And so obviously they were like expecting it to do really well in the box office. It didn't. Yeah. It flopped so hard. It flopped as hard as my dick. Oh, uh, you don't want to flop your chop like that. But anyway. Uh, going on, you know how last time we were talking about uh, how it wasn't finished until afterwards? Well, I read in an article, and it was it was before it actually like came out, it had its wide release. It's like, Tom Hooper finished it four hours before the world premiere, and it's like, sweetie, he didn't finish it, He though. never finished it. <laughs> Tom Hooper did not finish it at all. Like, when you watch what we saw in cinemas, Ash, because you saw the Blu-ray version. I saw the Blu-ray. Good. You yeah. saw the Blu-ray, and it looks pretty good. It looks we, clean. We saw the the unfinished version. There were the cockroaches' faces weren't even <laughs> on the cockroaches. Like things were floating. Like things weren't even rendered properly. You could see Judy Dench's wedding ring, like her full just human hand. It wasn't even a paw. Like it was just a hand. <laughs> That's like, incredible. Like there was just so many things that they didn't fix up. Yeah. God, there's just like so m- like many things that were wrong with the production of Cats. You know. Mm. Starting with, the VFX we'll get to, but the script. The script was by Tom Hooper and Lee Hall. Now, we've talked extensively about Tom Hooper's war crimes, but Lee Hall is a playwright who's kind of dabbled in screenplays. He did the play Billy Elliot, then he did Billy Elliot the Musical. He did the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice, which people really like. Uh, he did War Horse, and he did Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, so he's got... Some mixed sort of things under his belt. Mm. But uh, doing the time warp back to 2013, Andrew Lloyd Webber first said that a Cats movie from Universal would happen because of the success of Les Mis. Oh, oh interesting, yeah. Yeah. Apparently it was changing people's perceptions about musicals. No, it didn't. Have you ever seen well, Les Mis? No, I actually haven't. And I have the same attitude towards Les Mis that you do. I don't ever want to see it. I just, I can't be bothered. Mm. (laughs) I just can't be bothered. I I don't like musicals. I'm just like not into that. Mm. (laughs) And especially, I don't want to watch like three hours of people just singing. Yeah. But yeah, see, 
This is something that I find interesting. I don't think most of the people who watch Cats or even enjoy Cats are super into musicals. Yeah. And I don't think it necessarily should have been marketed towards musical fans mm. because I don't know the just the all of the all of the elements of the film I don't think they really market themselves towards a musical audience like a, a um, an audience who goes to musicals yeah they seem to be targeted towards an audience who wants to experience pain mm. which is mm. <laughs> Wait, for lame is or for cats for cats because I'd argue for Les Mis. Les Mis is not a musical for people who like musicals, especially mm. not the film version. Well, the musical version is, but the film version is not. Yeah. The film version, like, people who like it tend to not be people who like musicals. They're like, oh, I like it because of the acting. I like it because of the stylism. <laughs> oh, it made me so sad. Like, okay, but if you actually gave a shit about musicals, You'd give a shit about what your ears are actually fucking hearing when Hugh Jackman is like that. Hugh Jackman's a good singer, but he's not in Les Mis. He's fucking horrible because he's choosing acting over singing and it's, it's sung through a musical. Wait, was it, wasn't Hugh Jackman supposed to be in Cats? He was yeah. actually, and that's where we get onto our next point. Okay. In twenty, well, in twenty sixteen, Tom Hooper was confirmed as the director, but in twenty eighteen, casting began. Because I was going back through like old articles about like speculation, and there's a lot of fun names like back here, like Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, who were both okay. in uh, the twenty thirteen Les Mis. Mm. Okay. Suki Waterhouse, who is somebody's girlfriend. Oh, Rob Pattinson's girlfriend. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and. <laughs> Fucking Rihanna. Whoa. <laughs> Rihanna. Rihanna? V yeah. fucking Anna? That's crazy. That's, okay, yeah. Imagine Rihanna. Okay, Rihanna playing like Bumbelina. Actually, that could have worked. Or like Rihanna playing uh, McCavity. Oh, that mm, could have worked. That could be cool. I would actually be so horny. <laughs> actually, at one point, Ian McKellen was uh, speculated to be playing old Deuteronomy, but as we all know, it was Judy Dench. And like Tom Hooper like really talks himself up for gender bending old Deuteronomy and making it a girl ge- the old Deuteronomy it's like bro that doesn't fucking matter you can change the gender of any of the characters and cats it's true they're, it they're cats does they're not actually, matter they're actual cats they're animals like no one cares yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Bumbularuna earlier Taylor Swift who plays her didn't even audition for cats because she had screen tested for the role of Eponine in Hooper's Les Mis oh. and she didn't get it as we all know. And she was just, Tom Hooper was excited to work with her and she was excited to work with Tom Hooper. Yeah, because like Taylor Swift is like a huge cats person. Like she yeah. loves cats. Oh yeah. Like she's, she's obsessed with cats. And I, like, didn't she, I don't know, this might be wrong, but she also like wrote some of the songs, right? She wrote Ooh. one of the songs. Cause most of the songs are like as they were in the musical, but the song Beautiful Ghosts, Okay, oh, yeah. it's actually a funny story. So, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber was on set and he invited Taylor Swift back to his house for, like, lunch and to rehearse the, uh, McCavity bit. And they finished, yep, yeah, that's great. And then he started playing the music for Beautiful Ghosts and Taylor Swift's like, hey, what's that? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's the music for the new, uh, song that we're putting in the film, but we don't know what the lyrics are supposed to be. And she's like, I got you. And she just started writing lyrics for it. Whoa. Like, honestly, Taylor Swift, like, I've seen a documentary... It's called, like, America, uh, Americano or something like that. And, like, it's basically about, like, her being an artist. And, yeah. and she actually is a really good songwriter. Mm. Um, and also, like, the kind of... Not really the scandal, but the controversy between her and... I think her old label, who, like, basically sold all of her work and didn't give her any money or any credit and any of that. Any of that. Um, so, basically, she's releasing all of her... Basically, all of her old songs. Um, because the label basically, di- like, basically dictated... All of, like the money, all mm. of everything she earned, everything, all of her credit, all of her work, all of her art, and honestly, like I guess, like even if you don't like Taylor Swift, knowing that she like is doing this is actually kind of like I respect that. Yeah, like she's taking like she's taking like autonomy over her own work and over her own body and image. Yeah, that's cool. She's got an insane work ethic, and I I don't know if I would like her as a person or like as a personality even, but I really respect the hell out of her work ethic. In fact, I think she was more involved in Cats than Tom Hooper what might have been. Well, more emotionally invested in Cats. Mm. Mm. I reckon because I think like I think she must have poured in a lot because the thing is she didn't really have a big scene. No, she had she- one scene. And that's it. She didn't really have like a big screen presence, but you can tell that her presence is actually 
behind the scenes itself. She learnt that there was supposed to be a new song needed for Cats. So she started going to the filming set every single day, even days that she wasn't needed because, you know, she's there for like two scenes. She doesn't really need to be there. Mm. Yeah. But like she was watching, she was there. And like in the behind the scenes for the Blu-ray, because there's like 40 extra minutes of behind the scenes bullshit on the Blu-ray <laughs> and I watched all of it. Which you actually forced us to watch. Yeah. At your place. I didn't make you watch it. I was just like, guys, I need you to know what Tom Hooper looks like. And so I put on one of those clips. Very punchable. Mm, very punchable face. It, I, I don't like attacking people for their appearances, but it's Tom Hooper, so I'm gonna. Yeah. The way his nose is shaped, I just want to punch <laughs> it in. Or maybe somebody did, and that's why it looks like that. We, we, don't, com- we don't condone bullying. But I don't bullying condone Tom physical Hooper. bullying, and I don't condone physical attacks. But it's Tom Hooper. And we're, we're going to learn he's actually a piece of shit, not just in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, I do deeply respect Taylor Swift. But also, can we just talk about, the, with the casting, right, what the actors had to go through to oh, yeah. be cats? Do you want to explain? Yes. Okay. Yeah, explain so, this, Nick. There's this woman called Sarah Dowling, and she is... A cat movement specialist. Oh, no. <laughs> so over the span of weeks, the cast would come into work, as Idris Elba tells it, they would come into work at like 8am and they would get down on the ground and start crawling around and nuzzling each other and just acting like cats. And with this uh, cat movement specialist, Sarah Dowling, they would try to achieve organic cat movements which is you know when it's not the big choreographed dancing it's like just being a cat and you know it goes from you know just be aware of the things that cats have that humans don't like a tail or cat ears to like actually incorporating how cats sense things like their smell and their hearing and their sight and like some of them were like really into it but the way Idris Elba is just like you can tell through his body language that he's just like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> like he never says what the fuck am I in this for but the, in all his interviews he's just like this is the dumbest fucking shit ever just honestly I'm just eyes. saying get that head get that bread and leave peace out <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just imagining Sir Ian McKellen, Dame Judi Dench, and Idris Elba all just nuzzling and crawling on the floor, <laughs> crawling on the ch- crawling on the floor, nuzzling each other, and like pissing everywhere. Oh my god, I love that! <laughs> and nuzzles XD. <laughs> Wait, it's Yan. Uh, <laughs> Stop. Stop. They were really trying to like straddle the line. This cat movement specialist would be like. Oh no, that's too human. Oh no, that's too lion. No, that's too much like a panther. It's like, what the fuck am I rooting right now? It's like, crazy. See, you know, I actually I actually reckon this is probably an example of where holism really doesn't work because I saw the 1988 version of Cats last night and their, like, biomimicry was on point. Like, they actually moved like cats because mm. it was, like, stereotypical cat movements. Mm. It was, like, you know, shaking... And, like, sticking your ass up and, like, you know, walking, like, in really kind of slinky movements. That's just stereotypical cat movement. Mm. Whereas, I guess what these actors were taught to do is to actually be like a cat. Mm. Which doesn't really look normal when you look at it. It just, like, looks like humans on all fours doing weird stuff. Like, that moment where Grizabella, like, walks away, but she does it on all fours at the end of Grizabella the Glamour Cat. It just looks really weird, because everyone else is standing up, she she just crawls away. (laughs) And it's like, that's Jennifer Hudson, what are you doing? Uh, it's funny because like I was um I was talking last episode about how the costuming actually also mm. um enabled the actors to be more connected to kind of cat like movements. Mm, so mm. because of like the way because the way the costumes were actually made were made to suit the actors' movements and make sure it looks dynamic as possible yeah. and more like realistic and authentic as possible. But obviously, if you compare that with Cats 2019, they didn't <laughs> wear those costumes. They just wore like green screen suits yeah. and they wore like CGI suits and stuff, which means they don't they have this connection to the costuming and the actual characters, which kind of 
it's basically like us wearing these clothing, right? And just acting like cats. If you were to wear a cat's fursuit or like a cat costume, you would act more like a cat. Yeah. Except these people weren't. They were mm. just wearing like a skin tight kind of leotard, right? Which means they're very disconnected to the idea of cats. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm. No, just- I mean, it makes sense. Like you can, you can kind of see... That's some of them. Idris Elba, actually, in particular, you can mm. see that he just doesn't want to act like a cat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, in his interviews, the highest praise he had for working on the film Cats was that he got to work with Taylor Swift, which, as we just said, has an amazing work ethic and would probably be a delight to work with. She's, she's probably that person in the group project that just lifts everyone up. Mm. Honestly, she, she, does, she, she does look like that type of person. Yeah, yeah. And Tom Hooper is that dick in the group that just never <laughs> attends but takes all the credit. He, he uh, was speaking about like the biomimicry of cats and he's like, oh yeah, you really have to find the line between the humanity of the characters and the cat of the characters. And I'm just, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to a stupid fucking podcast. And I'm like, yeah, Tom, they're called furries, you fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Tom Hooper knows what a furry is? I actually, I don't think he would. I actually think he might, if he did know, you know, hypothetically, do you think he would be a furry? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he would be a furry, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was very into cats. He just... Yeah. Did he do it Actually, for his, Did he do it for the check? I don't, know. Uh, I don't know. He did it because he likes cats. Tom Hooper saw Cats, the stage production, at the age of eight, and I think that's why he's like that. Ah. Uh, Seeing cats changes a person. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you guys would know this name, but the actor for Old Deuteronomy, when he saw it, was Brian Blessed. Oh, Brian Blessed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was yeah. old dude. Wait, who's Brian Blessed? Um, he was in, like, Blackadder. He's in a lot of, like, old British oh, yeah. kind of... Flash Gordon, I think. Yeah, Flash yeah. Gordon as well. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. He has, like, a really loud voice, big beard. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. He's probably yeah. me as an old man. I actually <laughs> definitely think Nick has a Brian Blessed vibe. You think? As an old man, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, actually, the reason that Tom Hooper signed up for Cats was because after directing Les Mis, he was, like, sad that he might never get to direct another musical again because apparently he really enjoyed working on Les Mis. And he thought about Cats, and he thought about the fact that Les Mis had never been adapted to film, and he thought about the fact that Cats had never been adapted to film. And so, and then he thought about how technology had come so far, like, he could do so much with the visual effects these days, and he actually really does love acting and musical theatre, but he never pursued it as himself because at the age of 12, he wasn't getting any lead roles in his little theatre company. So he told himself to let his own dream go at the <laughs> age of 12. Honestly? <laughs> he was bullying himself. That's <laughs> psychopathic. It's so sad, but so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine bullying yourself so hard that you fucking give up on your lifelong dream. (laughs) That's fucking so funny. Anyway, so he's he's one of those people who's like, uh, no cap, he's he's like me. Like, (laughs) not really any talent in musical theatre, but has an interest in it. Yeah. But the people who he hired really do have talent. Like uh, Francesca Hayward, who plays Victoria, she's the primary dancer in the Royal ballet of london or something whatever it's called you know when they put royal in it it actually means like it's fancy unless it's rmit (laughs) Uh, (laughs) stephen mccray he's the second guy in that royal london academy stephen stephen who stephen mccray he's he's skimble shanks (gasps) oh (laughs) oh my god skimble shanks uh uh meta tally uh who played cassandra uh she has been in videos with Beyonce. She's on the top of her game. Lay twins, Plato and Socrates, who are those cats who wear the shoes in the oh Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. And they are the best freestyle dancers probably in the world. Like, they're really famous. So famous that I didn't say Les Twins. I said Lay Twins because I respect them. And, like, seeing the behind-the-scenes footage, it's like it just made me so much more mad than I was last week. Because last week I mentioned that he, you know, got all these talented people at the top of their game and he brought them down. And now this week I'm actually seeing how talented these people are. 
And I'm still seeing them just get brought so much further down.、Mm, it's like you can see the potential of these like really talented dancers and artists. Yeah, you and know seeing、what? how like one man's vision can literally tarnish all of that. You know what? I I mean, you can also see it from another perspective as well. So like, you can see it as Tom Hooper has collected all of these amazing people in culture, and he's made them do things that they would consider very、um, odd and mundane, and not really using themselves to the full potential. But、mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe there is something to that. I mean, an example is like Frank Zappa's band Mother of Inventions back in the eighties when he.、Uh, He collected all of these like incredible musicians from around the U.S.、Mm-hmm. and basically told them to just play simple chords.、Mm. And they were like, "Well, look, we can do so much more. We can, you know, we're all improvisers."、Mm. But he was like, "No, no, no! Don't, don't worry about it. Just play this. Like, just play this." And I think it's a, it's an interesting idea to kind of like confine mm. geniuses. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I think it's interesting, but like, it definitely didn't work for Tom Hooper.、Yeah. I don't think Tom Hooper was confining geniuses, especially because he got the choreographer from fucking Hamilton. <gasps> <laughs> Not shitting you. And the interesting part that I、uh, learned from that little behind-the-scenes thing is that、uh, they actually、uh, were doing the choreography circularly instead of linearly. So like you know when you're on the stage you're dancing there's like a linear sort of viewpoint, but with the camera you can get 360 angles like you know that shot of Skimbleshanks just tapping his little feet on、mm. the drum it's doing、mm-hmm. a 360, so they they choreographed for like that whole range of the camera. That's really interesting, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> still it's shit. It's still shit. <laughs> anyway, elephant in the room. The VFX、yeah. when it comes to production. Let's, let's、mm. talk about the VFX. So here's something fun that I didn't know.、Um, back even before Cats, the movie was greenlit. Tom Hooper did a screen test with a professional dancer and put the now infamous digital fur technology on her. <laughs> and they were using this to pitch to people like, "Hey, it can be done."、Mm-hmm. But then you consider it, and it's like, okay, that's one dancer. That clip is probably like. Thirty seconds long, and、yeah. shot from like one or two angles, and you had all this time in the world to you know perfect it. Hold, hold on, I need a better transition. Okay, so we know about the butthole cut, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent transition. I love that transition. <laughs> leave that. Leave that uncomfortable silence before it as well. <laughs> I'm gonna cut it down a little bit, because、yeah. <laughs> it was very long. So yeah, as much as we would like it, was it wasn't planned. Okay, so the VFX team were working eighty-hour weeks, and apparently the buttholes just kind of slipped through the cracks. <laughs> 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 I, I didn't notice I'd written that. <laughs> And、uh, one poor son of a bitch had to remove them all. So, and the important thing to note here is that nobody will actually come out and say it publicly with their name on record because, obviously, the effects industry is is cutthroat. Yeah.、Uh, but another person, another source said they were actually working ninety-hour weeks for three months. Some、oh、people.、God. Some people were sleeping under their desks for two or three days at a time because that was how hard the crunch was. Because the trailer took six months to edit with the VFX,、wow. and then the trailer released, and then they had to edit a one hundred minute movie in the same amount of time. Oh my god! Tom Hooper doesn't know how the animation process works. Apparently, he would send like really insulting emails to like individual crew members. And apparently, whenever he asked to see like a preview of like a shot or something with the visual effects, he would expect it to be completely rendered already, like full effects, like as you would see in the final product. Which obviously you're not going to get. It's, it's a preview. You're not、mm. supposed、mm. to have that standard. And also, is the funniest bit that I could not find a second、uh, source on, but. Apparently, Tom Hooper would demand to see videos of cats doing the same movements that the dancers were doing. That's incredible.、Oh、that would be、God. that would be very valuable footage. So, but my my final bit here for the production and especially for the VFX is that you know when、uh, Rebel Wilson and James Corden came out 
for the Oscars and they were wearing like fursuits and they were being sarcastic and all that shit. Mm-hmm. The Visual Effects Society was like, fuck you at that because they were like, no, it's not our fault that you had a shitty director and a shitty plot. Because like, even if you take mm. out the shitty effects from Cats, mm. the plot's also a problem. Oh, totally. I mean, like, I, I don't think, um, I don't think the visual effects, I mean, for me, because I saw the Blu-ray version, which was much more mm. refined than what you saw. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the main, the main problems for me were directorial. Mm. So, I mean, you know, there were strobe lights peering into the camera, um, mm. and there were just odd angles that you mm. couldn't see. Um, yeah. most of like what the shot was actually trying to get through. Yeah. yeah, those are those are all like faults of the director, not mm. not of these people. And it's it's because the thing is like with visual effects nowadays. Um, something that I recently recently found quite interesting was kind of how the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually relies on visual effects to plot out uh, story elements. Interesting. And kind of camera angles. Because a lot of it, like the director, they don't really write the specific camera angles on the script. It's actually up to the visual um, the visual effects artists and the visual effects team to actually plan it out. Because they have the, these mock-ups, these previews of the visual effects. And they send it to the script writers and then they, the script writers take a look at it and then they oh, write over it. Oh, yeah. that's so really people, fascinating. So the people that actually write or come up with the story are actually not just the script writers and the directors uh, or any of the like, creative team. It's the visual effect artist. So that's how Marvel does it. And it's really interesting how Marvel like kind of comes up with it. And it's really, cause it, like even some of the big, like the big fight scenes, like in Endgame or like in Infinity War, they had to fully rely on special effects to come up with the camera angles, the plot and everything. And chronology. And the, the beat, yeah. chronology as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found so, I found that so fascinating. So obviously that does not translate to Cats. Because no. Cats mm. doesn't really have a plot. And they tried making a plot, it just didn't work. And so putting blame on visual artists is, like, not right. Like, and Tom yeah. Hooper's a fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> One last note for the production side of things before we get to the analysis is listening to that podcast that gave me nightmares, Tom Hooper said, If I have a gift as a director, is capturing lightning in a bottle with certain actors. And I think that's really true. I think he really did capture lightning in a bottle in Cats. <laughs> I just don't think that lightning's a good thing. Yeah. Lightning is not a great thing. Yeah, it's like he caught lightning in a bottle and then the bottle shattered because there's fucking lightning in it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Cats Fit in 19, it's just the production, it's, the production side is more fascinating than the actual story itself in the film. Mm, mm. Like, how can such a, a chaotic, dark masterpiece mm. or, like... You can say it's a catastrophe. A catastrophe. Um, <laughs> how does something like that actually occur, like, in big budget mass media? Mm. That's that's very rare to mm. have something like this. Mm. I, like, this is something... I would say this is something not even once in a generation. This is a yeah. very rare kind of movie. With the Queen's Corgi, like, it's not, it's not the same. Like, no. Queen's Corgi, part of the pain is that it's so by the books, yeah. but also so horrible by mm. the books. Mm. Whereas Cats is innovative. Cats is very different and Cats it's very bad. Cats is innovative evil. It's chaotic evil. Yeah. <laughs> Queen's Corgi, lawful evil. Lawful evil, yeah. <laughs> Cats win in 19th, chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah, that's very well summed up. Mm. And there's so much lawful evil. Yeah. Cats, the reason, I mean, I mean I'm going to talk about this at length in a, in a little bit, but mm. I think the reason why people just hate this, hate this film so much mm. and they watch this film and there's just this really dark, disgusting feeling that they yeah, get Yeah, it's through. like this gut-wrenching, kind of yeah. soul-draining feeling. It's visceral. You mm. can't get that with a film that plays by the books. And it's just, I think part of the reason is all of these kind of choices that they made, which ended in catastrophe. Mm. Um, they they definitely all added to this, like, this whole, this gestalt that's just, like, mm. awful. It's just, it, it just, it just strips your soul better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and okay, so I guess this is the part where we kind of try to analyze cats. But how can you really analyze something that can't be analyzed? You get some wankers to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what. That's where we come in. <laughs> yeah, that's where we come in. 
Anyways, um, after you first watched it, you took a beautiful, wonderful selfie of <laughs> your emotional state after you watched the film. Was it on the toilet? No, this wasn't on the toilet. This was just standing in my room and I, I felt awful. And so I, I looked at myself on my phone and I was like, wow, I need to capture this. I, I don't think I've ever looked this sad in years. <laughs> <laughs> I I looked at my face. If you look at my face on that photo, I just look so drained and just so horrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I look like I've basically been through like an experience with war or something and yeah, I've just come you, out the you, other you side. You have like PTSD now. You've got we've all got cats PTSD. Like we don't have Vietnam War flashbacks. We have cats 2019 film flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like that's something that really fascinates me. How can a piece of art elicit that much of a a visceral reaction Mm. like that is a reaction in my body that i could Mm. feel on the way home from nick's place when um when we were watching cats i felt sick like i i actually felt i I just felt sick Mm. i don't know and i think i was with you mon Mm. and you felt very similar you were just yeah you just felt so out of it after i was i i think after i watched the film for the second because the first time i watched it i was completely like gut-wrenched like i was drained i could not even like i just did not even want to move anywhere i just just like i was in a catatonic state (laughs) well see i mean so here's the thing here's the big question for me when you ask someone what's wrong with cats Mm. they often kind of blame it or attribute it to a technical issue or they're like Mm. okay well look the cats are rendered in such a horrifying way or there's no there's no plot yeah there's very it's like very uncanny valley or like yeah yeah yeah. well see the thing is while that is all true Mm. i don't think um a film with a mere technical failing or a or a bunch of technical failings could make you feel so horrified mm. and so disgusting and awful. Mm. Like there is there is a reason you feel so dark after yeah. watching that film and I think it's mm. it's not intentional on the creator's part on mm. all of them all of the creative team. It it's there. Like mm. there there definitely is a lot of dark energy that's that's kind of stored in you cats. sound like a fucking astrology girl right now yeah. there's just so much dark energy i don't like the vibe the vibe is just so negative and i just it just needs like some black obsidian near it. <laughs> does anybody have sage <laughs> <laughs> this movie needs to be sage yeah i need to burn some sage next time i come to that next house because like oh my god he's watched cats so many times his house is going to be full of bad vibes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, negative energy. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. But yeah, anyway, so I was like, I was thinking for weeks. Mm. I was kind of just sitting with myself and being like, what is it that makes people's bodies react to this film in this way? How does it affect... Why does this film affect the human body? And I was... I think I eventually kind of came to the conclusion that cats touches on a really primal kind of fear mm. and this is what cats 2019 does compared mm. to ni- 1988 yeah or compared to you know t.s Eliot's poems or whatever oh, yeah. this is why you know i think i would say cats is a masterpiece because it's an it's that's a master that's a hot well, take well i'd say it's a masterpiece it's a hot take i'd say it's a masterpiece that wasn't intended mm. by its creators because mm. it really touches on kind of the horror of being an animal yes and it does that it does that in a way the musical couldn't because mm. what it does is you you open it up you know what a film is as someone who's watched films before mm-hmm. and you sit there and slowly your mind unravels as you watch it because mm-hmm. there's so much going on mm. and there's no break yeah it's complete and, it's completely a spectacle yeah well i mean it is completely a spectacle but all of the elements like you know the overly frenetic pacing the painful lighting you know whether there's sudden dissonant chords in the orchestra yeah and just strange rock ballads out of nowhere yeah all of this i think while it it all seems disconnected that's actually the point yeah like you can't focus on anything there's too much going on Mm -hmm. you have no idea what's going on especially if you've never seen cats before Mm -hmm. this all contributes to a constant barrage of information and, and just like a lack of a lack of reprieve you can't get a break and so among all this confusion you're really nothing but just a pure animal you're just you just you don't exist in all of your abstract thoughts and everything yeah. you're just you're there mm. and you're you have like, to face the horror that exactly. is before you and i think that's kind of like a really that's a really deep kind of fear mm. a, a kind of primal fear that yeah. humans have yeah that only a film like cats is able to get to. Mm. because it's not you know there's no plot 
There's mm-hmm. just, you have no idea what's going on and you're caught off guard just like that. Yeah. It's very existential. It's like being stuck inside a body. Mm. Um, it's, that's, that's what it it's is. It's like yeah. being stuck inside this body and you're seeing things. And subjected to and all these horrors. Exactly. Yeah. But you can't do anything about it and you can't leave. Yeah. Like you're stuck in this kind of like vessel. Mm. That's what it feels like, right? It, it feels, yeah, it feels exactly like that. See, that that is more than just... Mm. a problem with the film yeah that is that the film itself is really dark and it really touches on on this kind of interesting this interesting anxiety we have as mm-hmm. animals exactly and, it, and it's it yeah as you said it's an existential anxiety it's it's just it's, kind of it's something that is incredibly existential because we as humans have always we're, we've always been intolerable you know we've killed off all, all about other like species and yeah. all of this other stuff like we've Basically, it like, caused a lot of, you know, megafauna to become extinct whenever we basically colonize an area or a land, right? We kill off the indigenous population because we can. Obviously, that's something else. But humans humans see that. You're like, mm, that's a bit of yikes. But no, like... No, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like well, humans humans are violent. Is humans, basically what you're yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Humans yeah. are violent. And when we're subjected to be inside this, like, animalistic vessel, mm. we're being subjugated to this violence basically mm. it's like the violence against us is now we're experiencing it oh maybe that's a that's a different take but it is a different um, take but like yeah that's that's a different it's, take it's, that's interesting it's it's, comp- it's incredibly hellish obviously yeah it's it's hellish i would mm. say well that's that's a completely different take that you know the violence we've subjected on the natural world is coming mm. back to us in the exactly. form of animated cats <laughs> but <laughs> that's actually that's totally i can totally see that but mm. i mean i i'm saying you know even you know even more simple than that i think there's something just really horrifying about being an animal and about mm. you know not being carried away by all these abstract thoughts and mm. language and everything like yeah. humans are mm. because yep. like i think before the cognitive revolution for us mm. which <laughs> before our brains developed you guys we were just kind of like killing hunting fucking you know like and, and that's think, kind of like what animals do right well that's like that's a cyclical kind of existence yeah. right and that's kind of what cats subjects you to it's yeah. just this kind of cycle of suffering um, but yeah, like you're definitely right with like you're definitely right, Ash, with the kind of idea of being stuck as an animal and kind of how animalistic mm. cats is. And I, I don't think Tom, like I'm saying, Tom Hooper did not. Oh no, did he not. He did not even like intend for this to happen. He didn't intend for it to be horrifying. Yet when you watch cats, it is horrifying. Mm. Like I think you would struggle to see how it's it's not intended to be horrifying because. The dissonant orchestral chords, mm. like the the strange kind of dark rock ballads and odd singing. There is no break from exactly. anything. There is no break. And it's just constant, constant action. You could say that Cats is quite... I, I would say Cats is quite Buddhist. I know, Mon, you, I have, you think I Cats have, is quite I Christian. Have, I have a theory that... Well, my theory is quite like... I'd say it's a popular theory. Mm. Um, like it isn't something that is like as avant-garde as yours. Uh, I've been saying that a lot, <laughs> but and basically it's kind of the whole like, oh, the cats are in purgatory; they're already dead, and they're basically just waiting to ascend to the heaviside layer, which is just basically heaven or like rebirth or something. Yeah. And it's the most common analysis to cats because like we as humans always want to understand everything we encounter. We try to. Sometimes things just aren't able to be understood, but we. We try to analyze cats and this is what we're doing right now mm. right so i think one of the like that's probably the most popular one as well but then another thing that i came across was the idea that individual cats actually represent the seven deadly sins because something that's really interesting is t.s Eliot is like a hardcore christian oh yeah Ooh. so i i had a friend in primary school who would like leave t.s Eliot books in my house to try and convert me like <laughs> what the fuck yeah 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 <laughs> And it's really funny. Okay, so Ash and I did not grow up with Christianity or no, Catholicism. No, we didn't. And so we grew up, like, I grew up Buddhist. You grew up with Buddhist and Hinduism. Yeah. And so we grew up with very, like, different religions. It's it's really interesting for me because it was in middle school. When mm. I first went to middle school and they taught RE, they taught the Bible in one of the classes. I was like, yo, this is fucking cool. This is some, this is awesome fantasy. I was like, this is, look at all the magic that's happening. It really is. Like some dude turns around and his wife is suddenly a pillar of salt. That shit happens in the past. I was just like, whoa. It's better than Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's better. Hey, 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 hey. hey. It's better than Lord of the Rings. Do you prefer Sauron or Satan? I actually, I prefer, 
I think I prefer Sauron oh as a villain to Satan. Mm. But I think I like I think I like the Bible more than Lord of the Rings, personally. <laughs> Khan, yeah. I am so sorry that they said that, sweetie. Khan, I'm so sorry. They don't mean it. They don't mean it. Khan, Khan get fucked. The Bible is better than Lord of the Rings. Khan, neither of them had read, have read either. It's okay. <laughs> okay, it's okay. I've read I've read the Bible. He's actually read the Bible. The full he, Bible. Yeah, yeah. He actually mm, you sure. did you did so well in RE. I did so well in RE because seriously I was like yo this is awesome it's like mythology I'm man. gonna learn all of this um all of this mythology. uh all of this lore yeah <laughs> see I'll go back and I'll reread bits of the bible and I'll be like yo what the fuck this actually like this actually happened this is why evangelicals in the US think I can't get married yeah. what the fuck <laughs> it's, it's, no one lives to the age of 908 and all of a sudden the men can't marry men what the fuck <laughs> yeah but basically it's the fact that because we because we didn't grow up Christians or uh, as Catholics and so obviously the idea of Christianity and Catholicism is actually quite fascinating to us in a really weird way do you know what triggers people more what? when you're like oh are you Catholic or Christian <laughs> yeah so we, we we haven't grown up as Christians or Catholics no <laughs> I feel I so attacked <laughs> we're attacking you right now <laughs> Is this religious discrimination? Wait, Nick, Nick, are you are you Catholic or Christian? <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> this okay, this is okay, this is a small tangent. It reminds me of the first time I met um one of Khan's friends in a movie. We were watching uh, A Hidden Life and um, yep. um I was like I literally never met this guy before and I literally went up to him like, So you're the Catholic one, right? And it was just like the greatest, I'd say, opening line I've ever given to somebody that I've never met before. I mean, you called you called someone I knew a cracker. That was an opening line. Okay. You were just like, I... oh, hey, cracker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm beginning to think that Mon is just really bad at, like, categorizing people. Like, I'm the cat's person. Hugh's the Catholic. This one guy's a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I only called him that because it was a joke and it was sarcasm and he was wide. And, and then I he was like, oh. Like, and he was legitimately sad about because like I didn't mean to call him a cracker. Anyways, what I think is that it's very biblical. Cats twenty nineteen. Mm. It's very biblical mm. um, because of T. S. Eliot. But not only that, but because um, all of, like some of the characters actually um, represent the same daily sins, right? Yeah. First, like, okay, some of them are quite iffy. I just want to, like, warn you ahead of time. I think, okay, so starting with Sloth, right? So Sloth is, like, I think Jenny Anidots, um, played by Rebel Wilson, is basically representative of Sloth. Because she doesn't really do anything. She's a lazy cat. Yeah, she's lazy, yeah. You know, she sits all day, and she just sits and sits and sits. That's kind of like the song. And that's basically her thing, and that's, like, her shit. Obviously, it's not an original idea. I don't really give a fuck. But, yeah, I, I feel like she does kind of represent Sloth in that way. Mm, but, I mean, it's odd because in Cats 2019, she's jumping about I all know. over the place. And it's strange that there's this odd um, discrepancy between the lyrics, oh, she sits and sits and sits, but she's jumping around and, like, putting her legs everywhere. See, that's interesting. I do think it has merit, but Rebel Wilson, I think uh, she has a good interpretation of the character as well, and that's that she's more symbolic of the 1930s and 40s domesticity of women who are just, like, kind of chained to the kitchen. Like, on the surface, it looks like they're not doing anything, but under the cover of night, or like when you look past the surface, they're really like, they're organizing, they're really keeping the household together, at, but they just happen to be stuck in the kitchen. That's, that's actually really fascinating. And that's a cool reason why there's a discrepancy between the mm. lyrics and what she's actually doing. Exactly. Yeah, because I guess from the, the male perspective, oh, she's just sitting at home, she's not doing anything. Exactly. But actually she's like she's running, cleaning, running, running the whole household. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Pride, Pride is represented by Rom Tum Taga, oh, which is, is played by... Oh, this is by... another, another um, Deadly this... Sin guy. Yeah, another yeah. Deadly Sin, yeah. Rom Tum Taga, Jason Derulo. And again, like, he's very vain. Like, there's, like, moments where he keeps looking himself in the mirror and he's, like, you know, flirting with all the other, like, lady cats. Yeah. And there's, you know, that one scene where he looks in that mirror and it's, like, a distorted mirror and he's just like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, that's, actually, that's actually comedy gold. And so I guess he represents pride in that way. Um, again, gluttony. That's very easy. It's uh, fucking James Corden. Yuck. Buster for Jones. Jones. So he's basically like a fat tuxedo cat. And like that's basically his whole personality trait. Like in the... There's actually a lyric. He's like, Buster for Jones. He's not skin and bones. In fact, he's remarkably fat. 
Like, that's the fucking line, is that he's just fucking fat, right? Yeah, I had so much of a problem with that after I rewatched the 98 version, because in the 98 version, it really stresses that in the whole of St. James, he's the smartest of names. Like, oh, this is a clever cat who knows where to get a meal, and he capitalizes on that. But then in the 2019 version, it's like, haha, look, he's fat. It's just, it's, it's just fat phobia. Yeah. It's funny, because like, James Corden plays all of the characters that people just fat shame. And, like, fat yeah. shaming is just the, the funny thing. Same as Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they're just, like, the fat shaming characters. And I actually watched a lot of Rebel Wilson movies to research this. <laughs> and it's, like, all of the characters, it's, like, half the punchlines are just her being, like, bad at accents or fat. It's true. And, um, Wrath. Okay, Wrath is what I find really funny. Because, like, you think it's, like, macavity. But I think McCavity is somebody else. I'll get to that later. But Wrath, I think, is um, Ray Winstone, Growl Tiger. Who also played Mr. Beaver in The Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. I just have to say that. I know, I know. And it's like, it's really interesting. Why is, why is he... Wrath? Because he tries to kill um, old Deuteronomy. He basically, you know, holds all the cats hostages. Um, mm. He's one of the few cats besides McCavity that tries to kill another cat. Ah, oh, true. Mm-hmm. Even, is... um, even McCavity doesn't really, does... McCavity doesn't try to. No, McCavity doesn't try to kill anyone. Mm, yeah. But Growl Tiger Actually, does. Yeah, when you think about it, Growl Tiger does cause, like, I think the only instance of physical harm when he gets his claws out and, you know, just really puts them in James Corden's head. Mm. Yeah. And, like, makes him scream because James Corden was correcting him on the pronunciation of Thames or Thames. Yeah, so he might represent Wrath. Obviously, Greed is um, represented by Mongo Jerry and Rumpelteaser. Um, all I do is basically just go to places and steal shit. And when fucking Victoria gets stuck, they don't even help her. They're just like, whatever. And they also help out McCavity as well. And they're just like, oh, we thought we'd just do it for fun, you know? Um, obviously, that's that's not real. This is, kind of, this is the one where I'm kind of iffy about is Lust. And Lust is obviously represented by Bumbler Larina, like played by Taylor Swift. And again, like she isn't open seducing people Mm. but she is very sexual and sensual with her movements all of the cats are though they are but then in that one specific scene she's like very like even her song is very like her titties titties. they are so much more present i'm i'm gonna say it taylor swift's titties are so much more present than anyone else's titties it's true it actually is she also does have that scene where she's puts catnip on people oh yeah so that could be kind of like a succubus thing fun fact yes that was her dad's idea (gasps) her dad was in a lunch meeting with her taylor because taylor's dad has always been like sort of very heavily involved in her production and stuff and so taylor swift tom hooper and her dad were just in a room and taylor's dad just came up with it and tom hooper didn't know what catnip was so they started showing him videos of like cats on catnip fun fun fact. that's really interesting and she basically has this like really weird like drug-filled orgy just of like catnip everywhere i just thought it was really weird and um envy is obviously represented by grizabella yeah that's that's easy which is really easy um because like she's just basically fucking crying with snot everywhere um and she's like ragged and dirty and like she's banished and like ostracized from all the other cats and she's like very jealous of all the other cats and stuff like that and she sings a song called memory and then i think victoria represents kind of the perfect christian yeah totally yeah Mm. she's white she's She's quiet she's pure yeah she's like a pure white kind of light and so like she kind of represents that perfect christian which i find really interesting and obviously with old deuteronomy because i'm like oh deuteronomy sounds like a cool name you know until somebody told me that it was a chapter in the bible and i was like whoa that's pretty crazy but yeah like deuteronomy plays kind of like a saint peter character you know that saint peter kind of like standing in front of the gates of heaven passing judgment on people um that's kind of basically what old deuteronomy is doing it's like only old deuteronomy can choose which cat can ascend the heaviside layer like like macavity is very interesting because macavity is kind of the embodiment of evil in my opinion macavity is like very similar to like lucifer and satan yep um yeah, but he basically is like, you know, he's lurking in darkness. He basically represents evil. Yeah. And yeah, like he tries to go to heaven. He tries so hard to go to heaven, but he can never ascend. And I guess that's kind of like my shitty version of like analyzing cats 
through a biblical lens from somebody who has never read the Bible and from somebody who doesn't know who fucking Jesus Christ was until they watched Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> so I, I'm, at a, I'm at a loss here, guys. We were both considering that cats actually might be more Buddhist than Christian in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there's all of these kind of names that are invoked, like Deuteronomy, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which are and heaviside layer. That's, you know, that's obvious Christian. Like, like um, biblical. Yeah, biblical language, right? Mm. But if you think of the, the idea of, well, the, the idea of reincarnation is there, mm. right? Um, you know, if you, if you behave well, you'll be reincarnated again into a happier cat life and there's also kind of this idea of samsara of like endless cyclical suffering Mm -hmm. down in um what's the city called where they live london in the west end of yeah okay but yeah it's it's endless it's endless suffering Mm. and it's just kind of i think this touches back to what i was saying before it's just Mm. kind of like as a viewer you're subjected to the kind of this experience of being trapped Mm -hmm. and being just caught in between all of these images and sounds mm-hmm. and there's really nowhere to place yourself and mm-hmm. you're just so confused. Exactly, because with Buddhism, it's like you in this human vessel is stuck in an area, in this kind of world that mm-hmm. has all these sins, all of these yep. desires and basically you kind of have to prevent yourself from, you know, coming to those desires. Yeah, you, yeah, you prevent yourself them, yeah. from... See, this is something really interesting, mm. which I also think is really Buddhist. Mm. Like, what is cats? Like, what yeah. what's the plot of it? Yeah. It's just people introducing themselves. Exactly. So it's just all of these identities trying to scream out. Exactly. And it's try- people trying to be like, oh, I am this, I'm mm. this, I'm McCavity. There's no one like McCavity. Mm. You know, I'm just an evil cat. That's mm. who I am. I'm a ginger cat. Exactly. But because you're subjected to so much and one after the other mm. after the other, it's kind of meaningless. Exactly. Like if, if there's just an identity that's just being put out there and nothing really happening, mm-hmm. that that identity is completely meaningless. Exactly. And that's I, I guess that's quite a Buddhist message of, yeah. the, of the thing. There's all of these kind of cats screaming out like, oh, I'm suffering. This is who I am. This is my name. Mm-hmm. My name is so important. My identity is so important. Yeah. But then you kind of realize while you're watching through the movie, no, you're like your identity isn't really that important. Mm-hmm. Your name that you're calling out repeatedly Mm. and you know trying to make yourself the best Mm. you're not that important exactly and i think that's really fascinating is that with buddhism you have to try and denounce your identity yeah yeah like with you have to denounce who you are because you have to denounce any desire any identity of who you are yeah or at least you have to realize your your identity is kind of made up exactly yeah there's a lot of overlapping of you know religions and ideologies Oh, it's just such a mess and it's, it's so such, beautiful. It's, such, yeah. it's an amalgamation of chaos and just all of these interesting ideologies that contradict yet pa- are parallel to one another. And it's such a fascinating, fascinating like artifact of culture. Yeah, see, this is what I find really interesting. Like, I, I think this is probably one of the reasons people have such a visceral reaction to cats. There are all of these names that are invoked. Like, mm. Mr. Mistopheles sounds like... Mephistopheles, which yeah. is a German demon. Deuteronomy. There's the Egypt bar or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, the Egyptian cat. The Egyptian. The Egyptian. There's there's the heavy side layer. Mm. There's all of these words that are kind of thrown around mm. and stewed into the pot. Yeah. And it's just such a... It's kind of like a postmodern mess. Mm. It's really interesting. Yeah. Cats is a postmodernist mess. Yeah, yeah. It's a post... It, postmodern kind of um, melting pot. Of, do you think that it is kind of a byproduct of like postmodernism well i mean if we are in like a, if the west is in kind of like a, a hyper modern kind of period i think it's definitely a reflection of that it's just mm. kind of a it's a it's a mess see you know in the 80s it's pretty clear like it's a very camp you know really like musically beautiful play mm-hmm. about cats yeah. <laughs> like that's what it's about mm-hmm. but this this is just this is crazy mm. like <laughs> I don't it's know. Just, it's it's you can't pin it down because it's purely just a spectacle. Yeah. Like it's it's not even a pastiche anymore. Mm, a spectacle. Yeah. Like it's, it's just. It's, spect- it's basically like sprung upon, like sprung away from the eighties, and it, mm. it kind of melds into something completely different from what it was actually created. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it. Because the thing is, like, because it's a uh, adaption of something that was created in the eighties, it's it's basically like transformed itself away from what it previously was. 
Yeah, see, the thing is, though, it's not like it's not like a retro mm, It's not film. retro at all. Yeah, yeah, it's not at all. It's, it's really interesting because it's like, I think it's perhaps the horror that you feel watching it, perhaps that reflects kind of the horror of living in mm. the West 100%. nowadays. It, it is. In just kind of a messy cultural environment. It, it actually is, because living in the, like, the West now, you have all of this technological advancements and mm. there's just a mess of information, a mess of just everything. Yeah. Like Facebook is basically, you know, leaving us behind and... <laughs> We have no Facebook in Australia anymore. I don't think yeah. so. You know, you can't. Sh- uh, we we still have Facebook. We just don't have Facebook news. Even even the satire sites, like the satire news sites, like the Chaser and the Batuta Advocate. No, yeah. the Batuta Advocate. The Batuta, ca- the Batuta just came back, like within a day. Is mm. the Onion okay? The, I don't think the onion's okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the Batuta was always superior. I agree, yeah. Yeah, but basically it's just a mess of information and like it's just sensory and visual overload. And I guess what's really interesting is like uh, there's just so many things that we have to talk about cats, but we have to kind of move it towards next episode. Mm. Yeah, where we just kind of scream about cats. I feel like that's what we're going to... I think like cats... I think our third episode is going to be the amalgamation of cats. It's just going to be an overload of sensory, <laughs> visual... Like in those podcasts, it will be very visual. It is going to be the podcast form of cats. Exactly. Like it's just yelling and just... I think we'll... I want to discuss... Singing? No. <laughs> okay. th- there is uh, so, maybe. There yeah. is some like discussions I really want to talk about in terms of like how they depict certain cats. Ah, uh, racially? Victoria? See, um, no, we'll talk about that next episode. Oh, okay, we'll talk about that next episode. Fine. Um, Can I come on next episode? Yeah. Yeah, because I want to talk about that as well. That's interesting. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can't come until then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there's just so... <laughs> he said the C word. He said the C word, guys. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> There's just there's just so much to cats that we can't cover in like one episode, and we even even in two episodes. But yeah, now that we're kind of reaching the end, I do want to wish Nick a very happy birthday. Yeah, he's twenty two. He's twenty two. I'm twenty one. He's twenty. Oh my god, he's twenty one. I'm, oh. I'm the same age as you. What? <laughs> but yes, happy birth. Uh, I mean, like obviously, once this comes out, it's not your birthday, but. The day we're recording this in February. Unless I really hustle. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Nah, don't. But yes, basically, happy birthday to Nick. Yeah. And happy anniversary to Kim and Tanya, who are Khan's parents. <laughs> are um, we doxing Khan? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't said his last name, so nobody would know. You said the last name of someone. <laughs> he listens to this podcast. Do we look smart? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, until then, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. You can email us. You can follow us on Letterboxd. Just see our updates, see our cool graphics that Mon works so very hard on, and see our shit posts that Nick spends two seconds thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> until then, I have been Nick the Birthday Cat. And I have been Mon the, the Catatonic Cat. I'm just the, the cringe cat. <laughs> Scat cat. Scat cat. <laughs> Scat cat. <laughs> Scat cat. <laughs>